Lesson number 60, Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 71 to 85. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, O you who have believed, khudu hidrakum, take your precaution. And once you've taken your precaution, once you are ready, then fanfiru thubatin awinfiru jami'a. Go forth in the form of groups, one after the other, or go forth, all of you collectively, together. In the previous verses, we learned about the benefit of obeying Allah and obeying the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's the benefit? That whoever is obedient to Allah and the Messenger, then he will be in whose company? In the best company, right? In the best company of who? Of the prophets, of the truthful, of the martyrs, of the righteous, right? And what excellent friends, what excellent companions they are. And over here, the people of Iman, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, they're being encouraged to make preparations for what? Make preparations for war. What's the connection here? Because the people at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, obeying the Messenger meant inviting enemies. Obeying the Messenger, obeying Allah meant that your friends, your relatives, the people who respected you before are now going to come against you are now going to come waging war against you. And we experience this sometimes at a very small scale. Isn't it so? That we take one step forward to Allah, and then what happens? We do face opposition, whether it is in the form of stares, or it is in the form of comments, or it is in the form of people being very cold and having an awkward attitude towards us, you do feel some kind of resistance and opposition from people. Because this is a reality. When a person draws closer to Allah, then there are some people who will not be supportive. Who will not be supportive. But like anything that is important to you in this life, if people are not supportive, don't you still do it anyway? You do it. Why? Because it is important to you. Because you want to do it, you see the benefit of it. There are so many people, their parents want them to become doctors and engineers, right? But they want to become a nurse, or they want to become something else. And what happens? The entire family is in shock that what are you doing? Are you crazy? I know of someone who is, mashallah, academically very strong. Okay, They have the potential to become a doctor if they want to. But they went into nursing. And this is a man, this is a boy from Pakistani background. So a Pakistani man becoming a nurse is like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? But he's so passionate about his work. He loves it. So no matter what the aunties and the uncles and the relatives and you know strangers, whatever they say, he doesn't care because he loves what he does. Alright? So just like that, when you want to do something, when you see the benefit in it, then what happens? The stares of other people, they don't matter anymore. Isn't it so? So likewise, the believer also, when he does something for Allah, when she does something for Allah, for the deen, obeys Allah, obeys the messenger, and yes, you invite a few stares, but then what should be your attitude? It's okay, never mind. It's just for some time. People will realize, and even if they don't realize, the result is all good, inshaAllah. So anyway, over here the believers are being told that prepare yourself. Prepare your defense. Why? Because soon you are going to be attacked. You are going to face the enemy. 
Now remember that at the beginning, the Muslims were not allowed to retaliate against the enemy. They were not allowed to take up any arms against anyone who hurt them, anyone who came against them. Rather, the focus was on what? On patience, on tolerance, on forgiveness, and on self-development. Because the thing is that when a person is improving himself, he faces internal challenges as well as external challenges. Right? You have your nafs, yourself to convince. You are struggling yourself. And then on the other hand, you have external challenges as well. If you direct all of your effort on external challenges, then you cannot work on self-development. Isn't it so? Like for example, if you are in a situation where someone's really bothering you, okay, or their existence or their presence or their attitude towards you really bothers you. And if all the time you're thinking about them, 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 then what's going to happen? You won't be able to reflect on, what's the problem with me? Why is it that they're fine with everybody, but they're not fine with me? There's got to be something with me. So then what happens? You start focusing on others, and you forget yourself. So the focus at the beginning for the Muslims was what? Don't retaliate, don't attack the enemy, don't take any kind of revenge. Instead, focus on self-development. Later on in Medina, when the Muslims migrated to Medina, then what happened? The command to fight was given. The permission to take revenge was given. And over here, the Muslims are being told, take precaution, be prepared for battle. Khudu hidrakum. What does this word hidr mean? Hidr is from the root letters hadal ra, and hidr is to keep away from that which is harmful. Okay, How would you keep away from that which is harmful? By taking precaution. By defending yourself. All right, And it's basically a step ahead. Your preparations before you're actually in the confrontation. And this is basically anything that a person does to defend himself in the event that there is danger. This includes equipment. This includes strategy. This includes people. So for example, in the winter... We expect that there will be many storms, there will be snow. So what's hidr over there? What's precaution over there? That there are snow plows, alright? There are people who are trained to remove snow from the roads, right? And we also have our salt supply, okay? We have a planning in place that how is it going to be cleared up? When is it going to be cleared up? So everything is in place. So what does it include? Equipment, strategy, as well as People. So this is what Hidr is. In the context of battle, what is Hidr? Weapons, training, alright? As well as the plan that people are going to have, as well as the people who are prepared for battle. So Allah tells the Muslims, Khudu Hidrakum, stay ready, be ready. Now, as believers, aren't we told to trust upon Allah? Yeah? Aren't we told to trust upon Allah? Yes, we are. You know, because sometimes, some people are so concerned about preparing from before that we think that they're not doing tawakkul on Allah. We think tawakkul is do nothing. But is this the case? No. Exactly. You have to tie your camel as well. So even though a believer is to trust upon Allah, still he has to do something to defend himself. He has to do something to prepare himself that in case, in the event that there is danger, he is able to save himself. So, خُدُوا حِدْرَكُمْ And defense begins with precaution. 
You cannot defend yourself from danger, from that which is harmful, unless you have taken precaution, unless you are prepared. Therefore, keep yourselves ready. And then, فَنْفِرُوا ثُبَاتٍ فَنْفِرُوا From نَفَرَ نُونْ فَارَ What does نَفَرَ mean? To go out. Meaning in the event that there is enemy, ready to attack you, coming to attack you, you fear a threat from a certain people, then in that case, don't just wait there. Don't just sit there. Instead, go forth. فَنْفِرُوا Go forth. How should you go forth? ثُبَاتٍ أَوِنْفِرُوا جَمِيعًا Two options are given over here. Go forth in the form of groups or go forth, all of you collectively, together. ثُبَاتٍ is a plural of subah. سَبَاتَ And subah is basically a detachment, a detached group, a small band of people. Alright? A small band of soldiers, you can say, who are the best in their training, that they're most capable of fighting the enemy. This is who Subat are. So go in the form of groups, meaning one group after the other. One band after the other. A winfiru jamira, or go all of you collectively, together. Meaning every single capable man should go forth for battle. And we see that this is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did. That sometimes when the enemy was small, then what would the Prophet ﷺ do? He would send a group of companions. Alright? And other times, when there was a huge army advancing to attack the city of Medina, to attack the Muslims, then what would the Prophet ﷺ do? Have everyone go for the battle. So, فَنْفِرُوا سُبَاتٍ أَوِنْفِرُوا جَمِيعًا So, depending on the need, do what is most suitable. But be ready, be prepared. And this teaches a very important lesson, a very important life lesson. That when you expect something to happen in the future, then what should you do? Be prepared from before. Be ready from before. Because if you're not ready from before, then what's going to happen at the last minute? You're going to be panicking. There's going to be so many things that have to be done that either you will suffer, either you will hurt yourself or hurt other people, neglect something, fall short in something. You're going to be stressing out a lot. There's going to be too much on your plate. Let me give you an example. If you have to go somewhere in the morning to school, then when should you be ready for school? I mean, when should you make your preparations? In the morning? When? Before you go to bed. Have decided what you're going to wear, what time you're going to leave, who you're going to go with, right? which bus route are you going to take. Everything should be known, should be fixed. Because if in the morning you're trying to figure out as you're stepping into the shower, which bus am I taking and when is the bus leaving, and then which transit, then what's going to happen? Either you're going to ruin your shower, okay, or you're going to miss the bus. Something's going to go wrong, right? So a very, very important life lesson. Be prepared from before. When you know that you're reaching half of the juz, then expect a test. Alright? So what does that mean? Don't wait for the announcement. Rather, be ready from before. Expect it. Alright? And indeed there is among you. There are some people among you. What do they do? Laman surely who anna. He who lingers behind. anna is from Bata Hamza. Bata'ah. And Bata'ah is to be slow. Bata'un is to take a very long time to walk somewhere. 
You know what I'm talking about? To take a very long time to walk somewhere. For example, you have to come from the back of the cafeteria into the classroom. How long does it take? How long should it take an average person? How long? Tell me. Don't be quiet over here. Don't be silent here. Give me your response. Huh? Maybe 15 seconds? Maybe 30 seconds? Maximum one minute? But then sometimes what do we do? We go so slowly. So slowly. Right? One step after the other. And we're checking something in our bag. And then we're staring at the walls. And then we're looking at other things. We're taking our sweet time, basically. Alright? Why does a person do that? Why do we do that sometimes? Alhamdulillah, we don't do it all the time. But why do we do it sometimes? When we're tired. Right? Like you're really sleepy and you're dragging your feet and you're forcing yourself at every step. Why? Because you're really tired. Sometimes you're not tired. But what's the problem? You don't want to do it. Right? It's like somebody's at the door and you were in your bed and they're ringing the bell, ringing the bell, ringing the bell. You're like, go away, but they're not going away. And your mom calls you, maybe it's my shipment that was supposed to come. You're like, fine. And then you go gradually one step after the other, you know, taking your time. Why? Because you don't want to. You'd rather be doing something else. So this is what batun is. To take a very long time to walk somewhere. To be slow, to be lazy. Not that a person is incapable. They are able to, but they do it deliberately. Why? Because they just don't want to do it. And when a person is like this, that they take their time, a lot of time, doing something very easy, doing something that's very manageable, then what happens? They fall back themselves, and they also discourage other people. Has it ever happened with you, that you're so enthusiastic about something, so energetic, so excited about something, but then you see your brother who's half asleep being so grouchy, and then all of a sudden you feel the same way? You feel the same way? It happens. Other people's attitude rubs off on you. It happens with me a lot of times. You know, when I see that somebody's tired, then that reminds me that I'm also tired. You know, when somebody's yawning, like, yeah, I'm also sleepy. Somebody's sitting on the couch, yeah, I deserve to sit on the couch as well. Right? It happens with you. So when a person is being lazy himself, they lack motivation, then what happens? They end up demotivating other people as well. Do you know what I mean? Like they are deflated themselves and they deflate other people as well. So Allah says, there are some people among you who are like this you know, lazy and going in the way of Allah. And then they also discourage others by their attitude. They procrastinate, they hesitate, they lack the motivation and desire to go forth. And they also deflate others. فَإِنْ أَصَابَتْكُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ Then if a difficulty, a trial, musiba, a disaster, if a disaster strikes you, then what's their reaction? قَالَ He says, قَدْ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيَّ Allah has been so merciful to me. Allah has certainly blessed me. When idlam, when not akun, I was ma'ahum with them shahidan, one who is a witness, meaning one who is present. Meaning alhamdulillah, I was not with them. What is this referring to? There were some people who lacked the motivation to go out in the way of Allah. Whenever there was an expedition, People were told to go forth. There were some people who deliberately delayed. 
who deliberately procrastinated. And then what happens? When you keep delaying, eventually you don't end up doing it. Isn't it so? It's like you get up to get a glass of water, but you're going so slowly that your mom says, forget it, I'll just go get it myself. Alright? So then she goes, gets it herself, and then what happens? Instead of going to the kitchen, you go lie down on the couch. Did you go get the glass of water? You never did. Why? Because you're being so slow. Do you see what I mean? So likewise, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, some people, they behaved like this. If they were so slow, they delayed so much that they wouldn't even end up going. And when they stayed behind, and then they found out that the Muslims who did go forth, they suffered some loss. They suffered some loss. Let's say the enemy was big, or the Muslims, all of them got killed, or majority of them got killed. Then what would they say? Those sitting at home? Alhamdulillah, I was not with them. Thank God I was not with them. It's like, you know, you find out that your mom went to get a glass of water and all the glasses were dirty. You're like, thank God I didn't go. Otherwise I have to wash one. Do you see what I mean? So that's exactly what the munafiqeen would do at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Lazy themselves. And then when they would be saved from some kind of disaster, thank God I was not present with them. إِدْلَمْ أَكُمْ مَعْهُمْ شَهِيدًا وَلَئِنْ On the other hand, وَلَئِنْ أَصَابَكُمْ فَضْلٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ And if some bounty, some favor of Allah reaches you, meaning that you go forth in the way of Allah, and you are successful, you are victorious, you get booty, you get worldly benefits, then what happens? Then those who are lazy, they feel sad about that. They say, لَيَقُولَنَّ Surely, definitely they say, كَأَلَّمْتَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ وَبَيْنَهُ مَوَدَّةٌ As if there was no mawadda, no friendship, no affection, no love that existed between you and them. He says, يَا لَيْتَنِي Oh, I wish, كُنْتُ I was مَعْهُمْ with them. Oh, I wish I was with them. Because if I was with them, فَأَفُوزَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا I would have been successful. What kind of success would I have gained? فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا A great success, a great achievement. فَوْز from the root letters, فَوَوْ زَيْ So in other words, if the Muslims gained some benefit, then he's like, I wish I was with them, I would have gained some benefit as well. But look at the statement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, that Allah has said in the middle, كَأَلَّمْ تَكُنْ بَيْنَكُمْ وَبَيْنَهُ He says all this as if there existed no love between you and him. Because someone who loves you, someone who is sincere to you, someone who is committed, then what happens? What you suffer, they suffer as well. What you gain, they gain as well. But if someone is insincere, Someone does not feel that they belong, that they are with you. Then what happens? If you suffer from something, then your problems are your problems. And if you get something, then good for you. Do you see what I mean? Some people, they see themselves as separate from the rest of the group. They look at it as I and you. I am I and you are you. Even though we live in the same household, even though we are in the same family, or even though we're working in the same place, but no, I am I and you are you. We are different. We are separate. So, if you suffer from a problem, too bad. It's yours. Your problems are yours. And if you get something, okay, good for you, but I wish I would have gotten it as well. So, in other words, they're not sincere. But the thing is that people who are 
joined by some work or some kind of relation, then can they ever, you know, sever themselves from the rest of the group? Can they ever look at themselves as separate from the rest of the group? If they do, then they're actually making a big mistake. If there is a ship, there are people at a higher level and there are people at the lower level. Some people are above and other people are below in the ship. Okay, there are different levels, right? And if people who are at the higher level, they don't care about the people who are at the lower level. You know, for example, they have water, they have food, and they don't share with others. They don't acknowledge their problems and their difficulties and their challenges. They don't care about them. And the people at the lower level, they need water. So what do they do? They make a hole in the ship to get water. What's going to happen? Isn't everybody going to drown? Everybody is going to drown. So when you're in the same boat, when you're in one group, then you cannot view yourself as different from the rest of the people. Muslims are what? They are like one body. If one part is hurting, the other feels the pain as well. It's not possible that a part of the body is suffering from an infection and the rest of the body will not experience fever. No, it will. Because we're all connected. Alright? Likewise, in a group, people are connected. In a family, people are connected. And unless and until we see others' problems are our own problems and others' achievements as our own achievements, we cannot be united. And when we cannot be united, then we can never ever be successful. We are instead headed towards failure and self-destruction. Because when people do not become united, then what happens? Then one goes one way, and the other goes the other way. So when we are together, then there must be mawadda, then there must be love and affection. Allah says, فَلْيُقَاتِلْ So he should fight. فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ In the way of Allah. Meaning, go ahead and struggle in the cause of Allah. Who should do that? Who will do that? الَّذِينَ Those people who يَشْرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا بِالْآخِرَةِ Who sell the life of this world for the life of the hereafter. يَشْرُونَ From Shin Raya, Shara, Yashri is to sell. So they give up, they sell the life of this world, they give it, why? Because they want in exchange the life of the hereafter. So what do we learn here? That the objective of going forth in the way of Allah is what? To gain dunya? To gain worldly benefits? No. When a person goes out in the way of Allah, he's not expecting his main goal, his main focus is not worldly gain. What is his main focus? The good life of the hereafter. Because when you go out in the way of Allah, when you take a step in the way of Allah, then what will happen? You'll suffer in your dunya. Tell me, to come here this morning, didn't you have to sacrifice your sleep? Didn't you? And for how many months have you sacrificed your Saturday morning and Sunday morning sleep? For how many months have you? Many months, right? And for how many months you, inshallah, intend to sacrifice your Saturday morning and Sunday morning sleep? For many months, right? So aren't you suffering? Aren't you losing something? You are, right? Likewise, if there is a person who goes for battle, he is going for battle in the cause of Allah, then is he going to gain some worldly benefits? No. Before he gains something, he is going to lose something. So this is a reality, that when you go out in the way of Allah, you are sacrificing, you are putting at risk, what? 
your worldly gain, your worldly comfort. But at that time, remind yourself. That this fatigue and this difficulty, it'll go away. It'll be over. And inshallah, the blessing, it will remain. You know what I'm gaining from this? That will remain inshallah. So always remind yourself, I'm giving this up right now. Why? For the good life of the hereafter. I'm sacrificing right now. Why? Because I want to enjoy later. This is just like, you know, if a person is in school, they want to get a good result, then what do they do? They sacrifice many things. Why? Because they want to get a good result. This is what parents constantly tell their children, you know, work hard now so that you can live an easy life later. Isn't that what they tell you all the time? Study now. You know, there's just a few days, a few years, few months. Just give it your best. Later on you can enjoy. Shaitan, sometimes he comes to us and, you know, he discourages us from going out in the way of Allah. You know, taking a step in the cause of Allah. You know, taking a step towards Allah. He discourages us. And he tells us, oh, you're so tired. You, you know, you had such a long and difficult week. Alhamdulillah, but you know, I need a little bit of rest. And I haven't been able to spend much time with my family. I'm so tired, so exhausted. Come on, if you don't rest, you might get sick. You have such a long week coming. Then what happens? Such thoughts, they discourage you. Right? They discourage you. But at that time, what do you need to tell shaitan? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. And when you do it, then you gain victory over your shaitan. Right? So, فَلْيُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ هُوَ الَّذِينَ يَشْرُونَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا بِالْآخِرَةِ Allah says, وَمَنْ يُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Whoever fights in the way of Allah. And fighting in the way of Allah is like the highest degree, the highest level that a person can go to. So whoever fights in the way of Allah, whoever struggles in the way of Allah, فَيُقْتَلْ Then he is killed. أَوْ يَغْلِبْ Or he is victorious from غَلَبَ That he gains victory. فَسَوْفَ نُؤْتِيهِ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Then soon we shall give him a great reward. Meaning a great reward is guaranteed. For who? For the one who goes out in the way of Allah. Whether he loses or he is victorious. And by the way, there is no... Loss, when a person goes in the way of Allah. Okay, there is no failure when a person goes out in the way of Allah. Because if he is killed, if he loses his life, if he suffers something, isn't that a great achievement in itself? Isn't it? Like there was a companion who was killed. And as he was being killed, he said, فُزْتُ بِرَبِّ الْكَعْبَى By the Lord of the Kaaba, I have succeeded. And he said this so passionately, that the people over there were shocked that what is he saying? He's dying and he's saying, Fuzdu bi Rabbil Kaaba. I have succeeded by the Lord of the Kaaba. So people over there were shocked that what is he saying? And there were people who witnessed him and they went out to see what is this Islam. And that is what led them to embracing the faith. So when a person goes out in the way of Allah, remember there is no failure. There is no failure. It's a win-win situation. If he dies, if he loses everything, still he is successful. And if he doesn't lose everything, then he is successful in the worldly sense. Can you imagine? This is the promise of Allah. There is nothing else in this life, which if you do, in this world, which if you do, success is guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. They deceive you by saying success is guaranteed. 
It's not actually guaranteed. You do suffer something or the other. They tell you, money back guarantee. But haven't you had such a miserable experience with that machine which was useless? Who's gonna pay for that misery? Alright? And who's gonna pay for that sense of loss that you've had by realizing that 30 days I had this machine but it didn't work for me at all. And then they tell you, but you have to pay for the shipping. Right? And then you look through the long, long documents and you realize that, oh, but you do have to pay something. Right? So in this world, there is nothing for which success is guaranteed. Only Allah guarantees success. For who? For the one who goes out in His way. You gain something or you lose something. Still you are successful. Does anyone ever tell you that you take a medical exam and even if you don't pass, still you are successful? Yeah? Does that happen? No way. Never happens. You could have a nervous breakdown. You could end up in the hospital because of an anxiety attack. They're, they don't care anything for you. But when a person goes out in the way of Allah, every little thing he suffers, for that he is rewarded. And the fact is, that with the first drop of blood that falls, the martyr, his sins are forgiven. Isn't it? And the martyr, the one who dies in the way of Allah, he begins to receive reward immediately. We learned earlier, in the Rabbihim, they're happy, they're enjoying. In a hadith we learned that Allah has guaranteed the mujahid in his cause that he will either bring death to him, admitting him into paradise, or he will help him return safely to his home with whatever reward and booty he gained. Bukhari and Muslim. Now this is at a very high level. Related with yourself. We're not fighting in the way of Allah. We're far from that. But in this situation, whatever that we're doing, Always remind yourself, when I go out in the way of Allah, even if I'm spending $5, even if I'm spending $100, that is not a loss. That's actually a gain. It's actually an investment. If I study for a test all week, and I know I've done my best, every lesson I did it seven times, I practiced, I revised many, many times, and I take the test, and still I get only 12 out of 25, then you know what? I don't have the marks but I read the Qur'an, right? And for the seven times that I did my lesson repeatedly, over and over again, then inshallah, for that, I have accumulated reward, right? So this is the reality. Someone who goes out in the way of Allah, he never ever suffers failure. So when he doesn't suffer failure, then what should he do? He should go out more and more. He should constantly run towards Allah, taking one step after the other. Let's listen to the Allah 
Lucky you are to be here. Actually, the word lucky is the wrong word. How grateful you should all be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. While I was away, a friend of mine and me, we go to the prison once a week. And because we both away at the same time, for six weeks, there was nobody visiting these people. And I was getting emails from the chaplain there saying, we need you to come here. I got worried. So yesterday when I went there, he told me that we're having a lot of problems. I got worried because, you know, sometimes these Muslim girls, I tell them to do a lot of dawah. I say, you know, you see all these people, they're in a bad shape, they're feeling so low, go up to them and tell them about Allah. I was so afraid that he's going to stop the program. And all the way I was making dua, I said, oh Allah, don't let us be in trouble. And when I went there, he told me that there are many girls who come here as Christians now claiming that they are Muslim. I want you to test them for me. And I'm like, how am I going to test somebody's faith? I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But as I was going through the passages over there, I was making dua. I said, oh Allah, help me. How am I going to find out what the state of the iman or what they are? Anyway, I just met one girl because they had a lot of shortage of staff yesterday. And I had 15 minutes to find out according to this chaplain. I started to talk to her. I told her about um, why we come there and what we do. And she was so happy. She said, I've been waiting for you for so long. Why did you take so many days to come here? We don't have anybody to tell us about Islam. I said, aren't there any Muslims? Yeah, there is a Muslim girl, but she herself isn't practicing. Look at the state of affairs. And this girl, whatever I told her, she was crying. She said, oh please, when are you coming back next? Can you stay longer? I said, no, I've been given 15 minutes. I didn't tell her that I'm here to test if you're a Muslim. And because they had not given her a hijab, she'd taken a piece of cloth and tied it. And because she is from here, she had the courage to go above the chaplain and complain about him, that he is not letting her practice her faith. At that time, I thought, here is a girl who is practicing from a fellow revert how to say Alhamdulillah when she sneezes. She says, these are the things that we know and we try to practice. And we, Alhamdulillah, all of us here are getting so much opportunities to learn. Group time, I feel some of them have not studied. Test time, I feel so bad when I see the test papers. Retest, again I feel bad. We're getting opportunity after opportunity. Try to put yourself in that girl's place who has suddenly discovered Islam in a jail. And there are four like her. I just got to meet one. And they never did that. They said, can you come back on Monday? Can you come back on Wednesday? Why? To test if they are Muslim. 
I want all of you to tell yourself how fortunate you are to be here, to be given this opportunity to study the deen, and how much are you using it. You all feel very guilty if you don't, because there are people out there who are dying to learn about Islam, and they don't have the resources. Please, I beg of you, go back home and rethink what are you doing. Think of how fortunate you are. Just try to put yourself in that closed cell for one hour. Imagine you're in there, and you will change. I promise you. Salam alaikum. وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And what is the matter with you that you do not go out to fight in the cause of Allah? Earlier we learned that some people, they lack the motivation to go out in the cause of Allah. Even though success is guaranteed, even though reward is promised, even though it's a win-win situation, but still some people don't desire it. Some people don't want to do it. They're not motivated by the reward, by the incentive that is given. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes them realize that what you're leaving is not just going to deprive you, it's actually harming other people. Your shortcoming, your falling short in your duty, in your obligation, means that other people are suffering, that other people are losing out. They are suffering. So Allah says, what is the matter with you? Meaning you have no reason, you have no excuse to not go forth in the way of Allah. Why? Because وَالْمُسْتَضْعَفِينَ There are those who are oppressed from ضَعِينْ fa ضُعْف Which means weakness. ضَعِيف A weak person. مُسْتَضْعَف Is a person who has been made weak. Meaning he may have strength, he may have some kind of courage, but he is oppressed. And because of that oppression, his strength, his money, his power is useless. He cannot do anything at all. مُسْتَضْعَفِينَ There are oppressed ones, مِنَ rijal From among the men, rijal plural of rajul, there are men who are oppressed, nisa And the women who are oppressed, then And there are children who are oppressed. Wildan plural of walad. A child, wildan, children. There are children, men, women, children. They're being oppressed. They are alladina, those people who yakuluna, they're saying, Rabbana, O our Lord, akhrijna, take us out. Min hadil qariya, from this city. Qariya, from qafraya. It's used for a city, a place where people are living together. So they say, O our Lord, take us out of the city. The city, Allahimi ahluha, whose people are unjust. They are oppressive. Zalim, they do zulm. Who does zulm? Ahliha. Ahl, meaning the people who live in the city, they have become very oppressive. They harm us. They harass us. They persecute us. They torture us. They make our life miserable and difficult for us. So they are such people who are praying, who are asking Allah for help. And they say, وَجْعَلْنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيًّا Oh Allah, make for us from you, from yourself, waliyan. Who is wali? Someone who will protect us. Someone who will look after us. Someone who will take charge of our affairs and help us out of this situation. وَجْعَلْنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ نَصِيرًا And make for us from yourself a helper. 
Meaning, send someone who will pull us out of this miserable situation. Send someone who will help us, who will befriend us, who will understand what we're going through, who will do something for us. وَجْعَلَّنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيًّا وَجْعَلَّنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ نَصِيرًا In Mecca, there were many Muslims who were not able to migrate. They were not able to migrate from Mecca to Medina. And you can imagine, the majority of the Muslims, they had managed to escape. But still there were some Muslims who did not manage to go. And those who did not manage to go, you can imagine what kind of persecution they must have been suffering at the hand of their enemies. Because all of their anger, their frustration at losing all the Muslims, the majority of the Muslims, it came against who? Those whom they still had control over. So they were being oppressed. Ibn Abbas anhu he said, I and my mother were from the oppressed in Mecca. We were from the oppressed people in Mecca. Do you remember the treaty of Hudaybiyah when the Prophet ﷺ was about to make the contract? Right? Just finalizing it. What happened? A Muslim man, Abu Jandal, he managed to escape from Mecca and run all the way to Hudaybiyah. In what state did he come? He was shackled. Right? He had chains all over him. But he managed to escape somehow and reach the Muslims. And he was begging them, please take me along with you. Look at me, look at the state that I am in. But the Prophet ﷺ could not because of the treaty that was being made. So the Prophet ﷺ could not take him. Now imagine, this man, when he was taken back by the Makkans, you think they would have treated him very nicely? Not at all. They persecuted him. Some they persecuted to their death. Remember how Bilal was persecuted? Just imagine. How were they persecuted? The first martyr woman, how was she persecuted? Just reading about them, learning about the difficulties that they endured, even that is so difficult for us. Imagine experiencing all of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reprimanding us that why won't you go forth? Why won't you go forth and defend the people who are living in misery, who are living in oppression? And remember that the lesson of this ayah is general. It doesn't just apply to that time and that place, but the lesson is general. That it is a responsibility of those people who are living in security, in peace, in comfort, in plentitude, that they should not forget those who are living in misery. They should never ever forget those people who are living in suffering. But what do we think? We think just remembering them is sufficient. Sharing a video clip, something with which we have fulfilled our duty. Shedding some tears. Talking about it in public events. You know, we have fulfilled our duty towards those people who are suffering. But is that it? Is that all that we're supposed to do? No. We're supposed to do something to help them come out of that situation. Whatever that we can do. And anyone who's living in misery and oppression, whether it is someone in a Muslim land or any other place, someone who is suffering from difficulty needs another individual who will help him. So whether it is injustice that is caused by people, or it is a natural disaster because of which people are suffering, any place on this earth where someone is suffering, it is our duty that we remember them. But unfortunately, Sometimes we neglect those who are suffering in our own houses even. Then how can we be sincere? How can we ever be truthful in our concern for Muslims who are suffering abroad, for people who are suffering in other countries? 
If there is an elderly person who is living in your house, someone with a disability, or someone with a broken shoulder, or someone with a back problem, because of which they're unable to walk easily, they're unable to do, to look after themselves easily. And we cannot even bother to bring them food, or we cannot even bother to help them do their laundry, or we cannot even bother to take them out for a walk, then our claims of talking about Muslims in Palestine, Muslims in Syria, they're meaningless. Honestly, they're meaningless. If there are people living in our street, people whom we know, who need help, but we don't care about them, we don't even give them a phone call, we don't even ask them how they're doing, then when we talk about Muslims elsewhere, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything at all. So it is the duty of those people who are in ease and comfort to never forget those who are in difficulty. We should remember such people. And we should strive to help them, to assist them. Hear them, talk to them, listen to them. Let them cry before you. Say something nice to them. Say something to comfort their hearts. You know, once the companions, they were traveling with the Prophet ﷺ, and they had gone for an expedition, and they were basically traveling in the night time. And finally when they camped, it was the last part of the night. Last part of the night. A few hours before Fajr. And when they stopped, they slept immediately. And when they slept, they kept sleeping until the heat of the sun woke them up. What did that mean? They had slept through Fajr. It wasn't just early morning, it was actually, you can say around 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock these days when it's actually hot because of the sun. And when they woke up, they were worried. They were afraid. They were terrified about what had happened, that they had missed their prayers. Umar anhu, he went on saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, out loud. So the Prophet ﷺ would hear him and eventually wake up. So when the Prophet ﷺ woke up, the people complained to him that look what has happened. The Prophet ﷺ said, okay, لا يضير, won't harm you inshallah, it's okay. He said, come, let's go. Ittahilu, let's go. So he made them go from that place. They went elsewhere. Why? Because shaitan had you know, overcome them in that place. So they said, let's go somewhere else. They had been ghafil over there. They went somewhere else and they prayed over there. The Prophet ﷺ said such comforting words to them, to comfort them. They were so hurt, so distressed, so anxious in their hearts. And he comforted them. So sometimes, really, other people, they don't need you to do great things for you. All they want is that you sit with them for a few minutes and you listen to them and just give them a hug. That's all they need. That's all they need. So if we cannot even do this little bit, then how can we do more for people who need more help? And if we don't help others, then this is a sign of hard-heartedness. That we have hard hearts, that lack compassion, that lack mercy. And someone who is not merciful to others, then is Allah merciful to him? What do we learn in the hadith? That be merciful to those who are upon the earth and the one in the skies, the one on the arsh, he will be merciful to you. So we have to be concerned about people who are suffering. Because sometimes we're so happy about our lives, we're so busy and so involved that we forget other people. So never forget them. Make dua for them. Do something to see them, to talk to them. 
And yes, you are one human being. You cannot go and help every individual on this planet. You cannot go and listen to every individual on this planet. But whoever you can, whoever you can, whoever is in your close proximity, in your close circle, you can help them. Especially someone who is living in the same house as yours. Be considerate. الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah says, those people who believe, يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ When they go out, when they fight, when they struggle, they do so for the cause of Allah, for the deen of Allah, to earn pleasure of Allah, to earn reward from Allah, according to the deen of Allah. This is their struggle. So when we're helping someone, when we're struggling, you know, to listen to someone, to ease their pain, to help them out a little bit, then remember you're doing this for Allah. You're doing it not to gain some praise from them, to receive a thank you from them, but to earn reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it's very difficult sometimes to help people who are in misery, in difficulty. You know why? Because when you help them, all of a sudden, you don't hear good things from them. You actually hear criticism from them. It's like you're washing someone's dishes for them and they tell you, but don't wash this way. But use this cloth and use this sponge. And look, there's water over here. And please wipe this and make sure you do this. And make sure you're like, you know what? Be grateful that I'm doing this. Right? And then what do we tell ourselves? I'm never coming to help this person again. I've had it. I've had enough of this. I don't care if they're related to me. I don't care whatever, how much they're suffering. You know, they have to be a little bit nice as well. If they keep nagging me, if they keep annoying me with their words, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help them. Isn't it so? What should you remind yourself at that time? I'm not doing it for her. I care about her, but I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes you go to great length to help someone. And then what do you hear? Oh, but this is not right, and that is not right, and what did you do with this? You're like, you know what? Be happy, I did at least this much. And sometimes it's not them, it's actually shaitan who's whispering to us, or he's telling us through them. And also remember that people who are living in difficulty, in misery, they kind of become selfish. Because they want relief immediately. And when you want relief immediately, then you don't even care about people who are helping you. I've seen myself that once I'd gone to a refugee camp to volunteer over there and the management team, they had set a whole setup of how people will come in lines and they will come and have their names written down over here and this is where they'll receive money from, this is where they'll receive clothes from, this is where they'll receive blankets from and food from and everything. The whole setup was made very nicely. And then it was going a little slow. Obviously, people who are hungry, they cannot stand and wait in lines. People who are cold, they want the blanket and the warm clothes immediately. People who are sick, they want medication immediately. So for a few hours, there were nice proper lines. But then after some time, it was a huge mob basically that was attacking the group of volunteers. And literally, we ran to save our lives. We ran to save our lives. We ran into the car and drove out of there because we felt if we stayed there for even five minutes longer, they would kill us. It felt like that. We were giving packages of clothes to them. And one person would snatch you know, a bag from one side and the other would snatch from the other side. One would get the shirt, the other would get the pan, and one would get the shawl. This is what was happening. People were happy with whatever they were getting basically. So when you see some such kind of attitude, you're like, 
I'm sorry, I can't help these people. Look at them. They don't deserve to be helped. Right? We pass such comments, right? This is an extreme case. In your house, your sister's sick, you want to help her. And she's going on and on. Or your mom, and she's going on and on. And you're like, you know what? Be quiet, please. But at this time, you have to remember, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for who? For who? For Allah. So I don't care if they hurt me. I don't care what they say to me. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to take it to heart. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to get over it. Because الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Those people who believe, they fight in the cause of Allah. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those people who disbelieve, يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ الطَّاغُوتِ They fight in the cause of what? In the cause of طَاغُوتِ What is طَاغُوتِ? Any force. Hmm? False deity. Any force that calls to its worship. That stands in you know, competition, or you can say against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That it distracts people from Allah, calling people to oneself, whether it's an idol, or it is a human being, or it is anything that is worshipped other than Allah. So they fight, they go forth, they struggle, not for Allah, but for someone else. Who? Those who disbelieve. So what does this teach us? That someone who believes who has iman, when he struggles, he does it for Allah. Your niyyah should be for Allah. Ikhlas. Sincerity should be there. Allah says, فَقَاتِلُوا So when you fight, when you go to battle, fight who? Awliya al-shaytan. The friends of shaytan. Because they are promoting the cause of taghut. They are promoting the cause of shaytan. And remember that, إِنَّ كَيْدَ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِيفًا Indeed, the plot of shaytan, it is ever weak. So don't be afraid. No matter how much the enemy is, no matter how many people are supporting Tahut, no matter how many forces are in the cause of shaitan, don't worry. Because at the end of the day, the plot of shaitan is weak. Recitation. وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْمُسْتَضْعَفِينَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ وَالنِّسَاءِ وَالْوِلْدَانِ الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ الَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا مِنْ هَذِهِ الْقَرْيَةِ الظَّالِمِ أَهْلُهَا وَاجْعَلْ لَنَا وَاجْعَلْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيًّا وَاجْعَلْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ نَصِيرًا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ الطَّاغُوتِ فَقَاتِلُوا أَوْلِيَاءَ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّ كَيْدَ الشَّيْطَانِ كَانَ ضَعِيفًا Always put yourself in the shoes of other people. Always put yourself in their situation. If you had a broken shoulder, if you had severe backache, if you were heavily pregnant, if you were suffering from fever, what would you want? That people are just sitting there while you are working away? 
while you are exhausted, while you are suffering pain, is that what you would want for yourself? Never. So when you see someone who needs help, then don't just sit there and stare at them. Do something to help them. And don't worry about what they say or what they begin to expect from you. Because sometimes we don't help others. Why? Because we have this fear that they're going to always expect that I'm going to do it. Then they're going to start depending on me. No. Don't let this fear stop you. Do what you can do now.